Welcome to Redeemer Community Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. We're so glad that you are listening with us today, and we hope that this message is a blessing. If you're new here at Redeemer, my name is Bill Jolly, one of the pastors here, and I'm glad that you made it uh, out on a cold morning. And uh, we got a good, good time together this morning um, in God's Word. Here's what I need you to do, though. I want you to complete this sentence for me. I want you to complete this sentence for me. The sentence is going to be, I love, and then you just, whatever comes to mind, you say that out loud, okay? So that's the sentence. Ready? I love. Okay. All right. I heard lots of different things out there. I love pizza. I love coffee. I love my shoes. Uh, I love my kids or my spouse. I heard a lot of different things. And it's interesting because we can use that word love to talk about, I love tacos and I love my son Asher. Hopefully I mean something different when I talk about that. But the reason I bring that up is because in the passage that we're going to look at today, John uses the word love 27 times in the passage that we're looking at today. It's in 1 John It's a tiny letter there in the end of the New Testament, chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 7 through 21, and you're going to see John uses the word love 27 times. And so as we look at that, uh, you might have said, you know, when we think about love, we think about maybe romantic love, but John's going to be talking about the greatest kind of love, the kind of love that God has for us, that he pours into us and through us. And he's going to show us that that's really, that's what happens in the Christian life. And so I'm going to need your help throughout the morning because the big, that's the big idea for today is that God's love flows to us and then through us. All right. And so I need your help. Audience participation. God's love flows a little bit. That's not bad. Y'all are better than nine o'clock. I'll tell you that. All right. But let's try it a little stronger. God's love flows and then it flows And that's the whole point of what John is going to write to us today. Now, John, by the way, he's one of the disciples of Jesus. He and his brother were called the Sons of Thunder. I I think they were probably rednecks, uh, and that was their nickname for those two guys. And uh, they were were a little wild and crazy. But he walked with Jesus. He became one of Jesus' closest friends and then went on to be a pastor for many, many years. He outlived all the other disciples, although he faced persecution and imprisonment. He wrote John's, the Gospel of John. He wrote Revelation, and he wrote these three tiny letters that we have as well, and he had a lot of wisdom. And so you're going to hear some words of wisdom from John about God's love, and it's helpful because uh, just to know that John was writing to a church that was uh, having some conflict, and so as he writes to them about love, they were, there was some conflict going on. There was some false teaching. There were some people that were hating each other. And so he writes to that about that conflict, about that drama that they were experiencing. And he's talking to them today about love. And so we're going to walk through that together. And maybe if you're in the midst of some conflict with some people, that there may be something here that we talk about, that we read, that may help you and you're in that conflict. Now, specifically, John is writing about the love that we have within our church, within our church family. So here for us, Redeemer, God is is talking to us about that. And so uh, as we read this together, I, I want you to be thinking about how am I doing at loving the other people that I'm part of this church with? How am I doing? That's the practical application for today. How am I doing with loving these people, the people in my community group, the people that I see here on Sunday? Uh, And how do I do that? Where do I find the power 
to love those people. And so, uh, and John's gonna teach us that it's through a powerful encounter, a consistent encounter with the love of God that we have love for others. So let's go to 1 John chapter four, verses seven through 21 is our passage. passage, And um, I wanna read it to you here in the ESV. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, revealed among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For, who, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's take a minute and pray before we dive in. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is living and that it's active. And, uh, and Father, we pray that you would open our eyes that we could behold wondrous things out of your law, out of your word today. Um, Father, I pray that the meditation of my heart and the, the words of my mouth, that they would be pleasing to you and build up your church today. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, so God's love flows. Oh, you're, you're remembering. I know you're just getting this. Let's try that again. God's love flows. And then it flows through us. That's what we're looking at today as we unpack this. Starting with verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. You see that in verse 7, and you see it down in verse 21. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Again, when we're talking about brother here, it's talking about the relationships that you have within the local church. And so you're going to ask yourself this question throughout this, this sermon. How am I doing with loving the other people here in my church? 
And I'm praying for the Spirit to speak to you and, and bring clarity and conviction and encouragement with that. Um, and it reminds us of when, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest, what are the, what's the whole Bible about? What's the greatest, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said, well, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then number two is love your neighbor, love others as yourself. And so John's echoing that a little bit here. And then he goes on to say in, uh, in, ver- in the second part of that verse seven, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And John does this all throughout the letter. He, it's, he's writing to help people say, to look at their lives and say, do I really know God? And you heard Tony in his testimony said, I knew the church, but I didn't know Jesus. And so John's writing to help us look at our own lives because man, if you, if you just know church, I can't wait for you to just to come to know Jesus. It's a whole, it's a game changer. And so he says, you have been, whoever loves in this new way has been born of God and knows God. And your capacity to love others is one of the signs that you have truly become a Christian. It's not, Christianity is not a, a, a mental ascent uh, that I agree with this truth. I think Jesus was a pretty good guy and I'm gonna try to live a moral life. Uh, hopefully my good deeds will outweigh my bad deeds and everything's gonna go okay when I get to the pearly gates. That's not it. God is saying he, he's inviting you today to come to know him and know his love uh, and that it's life-changing and it transforms us. Uh, I experienced that when I was 17. Um, prior to knowing Jesus, if you had known me, they, first of all, you would call me Billy. So that's what they called me back in the day over in North Carolina. And uh, instead of Billy the kid, you might have said I was Billy the jerk uh, because, uh, man, I was, that, that was just part of my life. And I'll never forget when I came to know Jesus, I, would, uh, I just started getting convicted. I was in high school and I'd, I'd, I'd like be going through my day and I was a jerk, in particularly to the girls, the ladies that I was in school with. And, and I just, I remember vividly how many times the Holy Spirit would just be like, psh, psh, cut that out uh, over and over again. He was sanctifying me, changing me as I was walking through the halls of my high school and walking out to the parking lot because I would just run my mouth and say something ridiculous, and the Holy Spirit would be like, stop that. And he began to change my life through his love. I also remember I had to go to church growing up. I knew church, but I didn't know Jesus. And I can remember sitting in church, and my best friend and I would go up into the balcony of the First Pres Church, and we'd look down at all the people, and we would just sit there and come up with the meanest things we could possibly say about Ethel and Bert and that guy and all. And we, that's what we would do and make ourselves laugh. We were just total jerks. Well, Jesus came into my life and he began to renovate and convict me and change me and fill me with love for those people to where I was like, Ethel, get me a choir robe. I want to come sing. I want to stand right beside you. Let's go, hey, Bert, let's go out and get some biscuits at Hardy's. It was amazing to experience the change that God's love brought in my life. And so much so that like my, my best friend, he said, he said that we were sitting hanging out one time. He said, man, I remember the old you and now I see this and you're a totally different person because the love of God had come into my life and it transformed me. It changes you when you know God. It changes you when you know his love. And that's the whole point. And that's, that's the point of today is that, again, God's love flows Oh, come on, you're there. And then it flows. Yeah, and I began to experience that. It was so good. Well, verse eight, check it out. Famous verse. It says, God is love. And this is one of the most misunderstood verses. And there's this idea in culture that says, actually, that would say, love is God. But 
That's not what it says. It never says that in the Bible, love is God. It always says God is love. And and it's important to make that distinction because if you say love is God, then whatever you define as love gets to be God. And so the, the, the authority, the definer is you. And instead of God, and I'll tell you, I know what's in my brain, and I don't want to be defining ultimate reality, <laughs> okay, with this jacked up brain. I, I need some help. I want somebody else to define that. I want God to define what love is, not my idea of what love might be to define things. And Because when that happens is you will end up affirming things that God, that God is grieved by if you come up with your own definition of love. Instead, and you'll, you'll end up affirming things that poison us and that don't lead to human flourishing, which is what God's love always leads to. And so it says God is love. And here's a cool thing for you theologians out there. Um, God is a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons in one. That's important because if God wasn't a trinity, he actually could not have been love, could not have, been, could not have loved in eternity past before he created anything. But because he was a Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they loved each other. They had perfect love within the Trinity. And so that's why we can say that God is love because he was always loving. Now, I like that. I like those theological concepts that kind of blow your mind, but then I hope that they will enlarge your heart. They say God has always been love, perfect love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he has invited you into that community into that trinity of relationship. Well, a question you might have is, how does God, how has God really revealed his love? Look at verse nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest, was revealed or was shown among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God sent Jesus so that we might have eternal life, that we might have life more abundant right now. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, I know that that's a weird word to come across there in your Bible. John uses it earlier in chapter two of this letter. Paul uses it in his writing. It's a strange word. Let me, let me read what Paul says. And this is in Romans chapter three, 23. It'll give you a little bit more feel. What is this word? What's, what does this mean? It says, for all have sinned, including this microphone, and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. This is all of us, guys. And are justified, made right, recognized as right with God by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And so he uses that propitiation. Do you have the handheld? I can switch over to that um, if you want to. So propitiation, that's the word we're getting at. And it means a sacrifice. This is so you know what this word means. It means a sacrifice that appeases God's wrath and turns it to favor. It appeases God's wrath and turns God's wrath to favor. Can you say favor? favor. Oh, can you say it with a little bit more, a little bit more favor? Yeah, some favor, that it turns God's wrath to God's favor. That's what propitiation is, and it happens through the cross. And here's why that's so important. Listen to this. As you go through your life, there will be times where you feel like, man, God really, he loves me, and I know it, and I feel, man, things are going well in my life, and this is good, and I feel close to him. And there will be other times where things get really hard, 
and you go through, you get a bad diagnosis, or you have a relationship that totally falls apart, or a setback, you lose your job, you go through something, and it is just really, really hard. And you're going to say, does God love me? I'm looking at all this stuff. Does he love me? And where you can go is to this truth, that God sent his son to die for you on the cross. And there is nothing greater that he could ever do to show you that he loves you. And that is a concrete, objective reality. It's a fact, and it can be the foundation for your life so that even when you don't feel like God loves you, that you say, I know that he loves me. I know Will Odom loves me because he's walking the mic right up here for this. Thanks so much. So let's see if we got it on. Testing, testing. Well, there it is. Great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Shane. Um, so I know that God loves me because of what he did on the cross and that I can always go to that no matter what you feel, that you can say, I know this is true. I know this is true, that he has died on the cross for me. And so we think about that, and he says in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Again, God's love flows. I think you know. I think you're getting it. You're starting to get it. All right, let's try that again. God's love flows. And then it flows. That's it. So let's say, well, what does it look like if, for God's love to flow through us? What's that look like, Bill? Well, one of the first places your mind might jump would be to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. is written to a church where people were not doing a good job loving each other. They were pretty jacked up, all right? Um, and so Paul writes to tell them about this is what love looks like. And so I want to read you from 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love is not a jerk. All right? It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And you feel that when you hear that at a wedding, it really impacts you. But now I hope maybe you'll feel it in an even deeper way. Because not, not only is it it's showing us what God is like when it describes love, and it's showing us what it's like when that love flows through us. And now I don't know about you, but when I read that and I hear that, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> That's a tall order. That's challenging to see. That's what love looks like, because I, I don't see a lot of that flowing in my life sometimes. It's an incredible description, but it seems like it could be impossible. How can I grow in love? If I, I, I'm hearing this, but what do I do so that I can actually live this out? Well, that's the next part of this passage. In verse 12, he's going to talk about how do you grow so that this, you can actually have more of this love flowing through your life. So look at verse 12. It says, no one has ever seen God. He's invisible. It's impossible for us to fully comprehend and see him. But he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If we love one another, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we've seen and we testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, 
God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. He says that again. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. All right, stop there. So he's talking, he uses this word abide, which is a a word that John likes. If you read in his gospel in John 15, he talks about abiding in God, like branches of abide in a vine, you know, and that's where the life flows through them. And so he's going to say, how can you grow so that there's more love flowing through you? Well, one of the things that he says there right at the beginning, he says, if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. And so when you, when you by the power of the Spirit, begin to love other people, in those moments, you experience more of God's love. This is an interesting thing that happens. Sometimes it happens on a big scale. I can remember like, Bill, when we've gone up to Mountain City to the prison and we're there with those residents and um, we're, we're eating meals with them, we're talking and getting to know their stories and, uh, and we're, we're playing music, we're worshiping, we're talking about Jesus, but we're tangibly, practically showing love to those guys and you feel God's love <laughs> in a pretty amazing way there. Now, that's kind of a big thing. I mean, going up to the supermax prison, holy man, yeah. But in like tiny little ways, like when you're a mom and it's the middle of the night and that baby's crying and you're up with that baby holding it because you are loving that little child. And there's a moment in there where you can experience God's love in great moments and tiny moments, but where we're loving others through the Spirit that we grow and we abide in God's love. That's what he's talking about. If you go down to verse 14, he, saw, he talks about another way that we can experience more of God's love, of it flowing to us. He says, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. So this also is a way of abiding in God, is testifying and confessing. Okay, think about that for a minute to experience more of God's love. When you testify, when you share your testimonies of what God has done in your life, when you talk about them, when you pray them out, when you sing them out, when you confess Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Son of God, and when you confess those things and you testify to those things that God's love you experience more of it. That's one of the things that happens. I don't know if you know this, but when we worship together, that's why it's so important to lift up your own voice and to think through those lyrics and to sing them out because as you're doing that, that's a testimony of who God is and who Jesus is and it's you're confessing it and you begin to experience God's presence, God's love, and you are abiding in him. More of God's love is flowing so that it can flow. Yeah, when that happens. And Paul Paul was big on this too. In, uh, in Romans 5, 5, he says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Because that's what John was saying. He says, you got the, the Spirit is bearing witness that you are abiding. The Spirit helps you to abide. And so he pours God's love into us. In Ephesians 3, Paul has one of his greatest prayers. If you want to find some awesome prayers to pray yourself and pray for others, check out Ephesians 3 because Paul prays for those Christians that they would know the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how you experience the love of God is by the power of the Spirit. He says, I'm praying for you so that you'd be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, abide in your hearts through faith, and that you would be rooted and grounded in love. It's through the Spirit that we abide and that we experience God's love 
and he's going to talk about how the measureless dimensions of God's love. He says, I'm praying that you're going to have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge is so that you'd be filled with all the fullness of God. Because here's the thing, not only does God want you to objectively know that he loves you because of what happened on the cross, that you can always go to the cross and say, I know that God loves me because of what he did on the cross. But God also, it, he wants you to experience the love that he has for you. He wants you, that's part of, our, part of what's so incredible about being a Christian is that we can tangibly experience the love of God that you can wake up in the middle of the night. I can wake up in the middle of the night and I can, I can talk to the Father and I can hear him say, Bill, I love you. If you've never had that experience, if you've never opened yourself up to the Father like that, to hear him say, Bill, I love you, and know that that's true, and then experience that in your heart, that's what Paul was, that's not weird to do that. Paul prayed that it would happen for you. For, the, for those Christians, and we can pray that for ourselves, that we would experience God's love for us. And it's so wonderful when I think about um, uh, God's love for us. It, it also reminded me of a, earlier in Ephesians, Paul's talking about predestination, which can be kind of like an intimidating word to think about. But in early on, he says, why does God choose? Why does he predestine us? It says, in love, because that's who God is, in love that he predestined us, and it says he predestined us for adoption. In love, he chose us. And so it made me think about God walking into an orphanage, all right? And he comes to orphan number one, and he's got the associate with him there, and she's explaining the story. She says, oh, yes, this poor little orphan, she's got such a tragic story. Her parents were missionaries. Her dad was from Norway. Her mom was from Ethiopia. She's just this lovely little girl, and we'd like you to meet her. And, and here's the little girl. She's nine years old, and she's, she's tap dancing. She's really coordinated. She's uh, singing in three different languages. She's working out quadratic equations on the whiteboard behind her. She's smiling. She's just, she's just amazing. And then there's orphan number two. And orphan number two has a lazy eye, a little bit of Tourette's, uh, some mange, looks like they're wearing like last week's underwear, and it's just a mess, and God kind of walks over to look at that one, and, and then, he, then it, he sneezes, and there's a yellow stream and a green stream. Ugh. And God chooses the second one. God chooses that one. It says, yeah, I want, that, I want that one to be part of my family. We're the second orphan, <laughs> okay? There was nothing lovely about us. We're, we're kind of feral, all right? And God says, that's, I choose you, not because of anything lovely in you, not because of anything you've ever done. You're a mess, but I'm choosing you. I want you to be in my family because that's what love does, the love of God. That's what he does. And so I hope that will encourage you. That was, you think about it, that's what it feels like for God's love to come to us, but then to flow through us. Man alive, here it comes. So it says this, this is also what happens. This is in verse 17. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the fact that every single one of us one day will stand before God 
on the day of judgment. This is a fact. Every single one of you, every, I will, we will stand before God. We'll stand before his judgment. And that at that day, we, can, we will either stand before it with great fear and face great wrath, or we can stand before God on that day with fearlessness, with confidence is what it says there, and with joy as we stand before God because Jesus is the propitiation. He is the sacrifice that has taken God's wrath and turned it to his favor. And so you might be here today and you just be thinking about, you know, when I think about, when I think about standing before God, I, I can't stand with confidence. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I, I feel like, man, maybe, uh, maybe I've done enough good to get there. But maybe I know, man, I'm, I, would, I would face his wrath. And I want you to hear the good news today that you can stand before God with complete confidence, with no fear of judgment because of what Christ did on the cross. You can stand before God fearless, with confidence because of what Christ did for you on the cross. That's what he says, that perfect love casts out fear. Instead of fear, we have favor. Instead of fear, we have favor. Look at the end here. Let's look at the last few verses starting in 19. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And so there might be some things happening in your heart today as you're reading this with me and we're talking about it that you may realize, you know what, there are, there are people that I, I really struggle to love. I, I see a lot in my life. I'm self-absorbed. I'm self-righteous. I'm kind of selfish. And I struggle. I even justify hating other people. And it's particularly other Christians that I have this attitude towards them that I'm that I actually, I hate that person. If you were totally honest, that's what you would say. I hate them. And John says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If that's happening in your heart, that's like a light, a light on the dashboard that's showing you. you it, don't, don't, try hard, don't try to just deal with it, you know, say, oh, I can, I'll just try to love them better. But he's saying, go back, and it's because you need God's love to flow to you more, and then it will flow through you. And so you may feel that. You may be sensing that uh, today. You may find yourself in fear of judgment when you stand before God, or you may say, man, I, yeah, I just don't see the, this love. Man, there's this person that I'm feeling this hatred towards, and that God is saying, I want you to experience my love. And that as you experience this, as my love flows to you, and then you're going to really see it flow through you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in learning more about us, you can check out our social media or website. Grace and peace to you.